Well, we've come to John chapter 7 in our uh, work through of the Gospel according to John. And we're going to take our reading from the beginning of that chapter and all the way through to verse 24. We're going to see, as we read it together, the ongoing struggle that we've already seen that the people continue to have trying to work out who Jesus is. In verse 12, some say that he's a good man. In verse 12, some say he's a deceiver. And in verse 20, they accuse him of being a madman even. The people are really finding it difficult to understand who Jesus is. In fact, what we find when we read this portion together is that Jesus was challenging people's understanding of who he was in light of the religious uh, setting of the day. He's come and he's saying that he's the true and reliable messenger of God with all of the moral authority of God. It's really a claim to deity. And you'll see towards the end of the reading that he actually challenges the, uh, the people who revered Moses as being the one who had been the means by which God's law had come to them. He was seen as a true messenger of God's intentions for his people. But here Jesus was claiming something even greater and he was doing things that challenged the law as they understood it that Moses had transmitted. So Jesus is actually demanding that their loyalty be shifted from Moses. Sadly, he's pointing out as well that their loyalty had been shifted from God to Moses. But he's challenging them here to shift their loyalty back to God because he himself is claiming to have all of the authority of God. Let's read it together. John chapter 7. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? 
yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a whole man's body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. We see the struggle that the people have in trying to understand who Jesus is. And he's done something in Jerusalem in a previous visit that has upset the religious leaders because he healed a man who couldn't walk. And he healed him on the Sabbath. And therefore he's considered a lawbreaker. That was the context of the discussion towards the end of this portion. But what I'd really like us to focus on today is how Jesus lived and taught and his free and fearless dedication to God's purposes in every situation of his life. And the reason for focusing in on that is I hope that it can encourage us to live in a similar way by God's grace and by his power, living a life of fearless freedom. We see that with Jesus in this portion, but we see before we say that what Jesus is not. And then the points I'll take us through will develop this as we go. We we see that Jesus is not afraid of death. We see that Jesus is not feeling defeated or depressed because so many disciples have walked away from him, as was recorded at the end of chapter 6. And Jesus is not being deceitful. He's not being deceitful with regards to his intentions of going up to Jerusalem for the Festival of Tabernacles, nor is he being deceitful in the things that he's teaching people, and he's not being deceitful in what he does in his signs and wonders and in his miracles. Rather, we see that Jesus is living according to God's eternal timetable. And he's living according to God the Father's expectations of him. He's living in such a way that God will receive all the glory. And he is by his very words and actions declaring the unchanging truth about God. Now this provokes an increasingly hostile response to Jesus as time goes on, but Jesus continues and we see a man who is free and fearless in all that he's doing. And I believe that we can have the same fearlessness and freedom in life if we live the same way. And I'd like to look at that under four headings. Firstly, we can enjoy the same fearless freedom if we're living according to God's eternal timetable. We notice that Jesus is not afraid of those in Judea who are plotting to kill him. That's not why he's avoiding Judea. What he says to his brothers in that conversation is that it is not his time. His time has not yet fully come. Jesus knew that in God's eternal purposes, there would be a time coming when he would die. Death was part of the plan, but not yet. I was just thinking that it's the same for us. The Lord has promised that he's coming back, and that could happen when some of us are alive. But death may be part of God's plan for us, and we should never consider it outside of God's plan for us. But here we have Jesus living according to God's eternal timetable, and that shapes all of his choices and decisions. 
and particularly in regard in this instance regarding his decision as to when to travel to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, Jesus is definitely going to go up. He's not going to miss one of the three mandatory feasts. Go and look at Deuteronomy 16 and 16. As a God-glorifying servant of God, Jesus was definitely going to be going up to Jerusalem. But he was going to pick his time according to God's timetable. The New Living Translation puts it well. John 7 verse 6 in the NLT says, Jesus replied to his brothers, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go any time. He was really saying, it's not my time. The Father says it's not yet. You guys, you go up whenever you want. Here we have Jesus living a fearlessly free life, knowing that every day is part of God's eternal plan. And he's living for today in light of that bigger plan. Henry Martin, the late 18th century and early 19th century English missionary to India and Persia, he said this, I am immortal until God's work for me to do is done. There was a man who knew that when he woke every day, he had to live God's way. And until God would call him to himself, his life would be lived for God and he was immortal until that time came. So here was freedom and fearlessness living according to God's eternal timetable. Secondly, we can think about freedom and fearlessness in living according to God's expectations and we see that in Jesus. This conversation he has with his brothers, they're saying to him, look if you want celebrity status you need to get yourself off to the big smoke, you need to get up to Jerusalem. It's a bit like people today saying they need to go to London or New York or even Hollywood if they really want to be noticed. Remember, Jesus has lost so many of his followers, the end of chapter 6. And here, the NLT says in verse 4, the brothers say to Jesus, you can't become famous if you hide like this. Look, really, if you're after fame, you need to go up to Jerusalem. I just want to pause here for a moment because John tells us that in verse 5, his brothers at this point didn't believe in him. You know, growing up with Jesus doesn't automatically mean that we'll see Jesus for who he is and believe in him for who he is. Some of us have grown up hearing about Jesus, reading about Jesus, singing about Jesus. I just want us all to be sure in ourselves that we really truly know who he is and we believe in him. But we see that Jesus is living according to God the Father's expectations of him. He's not going after public acclaim. He's living for the audience of one, the one that matters, God himself. You know, his expectations are laid out in his word. God's expectations for Jesus were laid out in what Jesus had as his Bible, the Old Testament. And it was daily instruction. Deuteronomy 32 verse 47, Moses said to the people of Israel regarding the law of God, he says, these are not just idle words for you, they are your life. And John himself, when he's writing to New Testament believers like us, he says this, this is love for God, 1 John 5 verse 3, to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Here was Jesus enjoying the freedom and fearlessness of life, lived according to God's expectations rather than other people's expectations. He's living according to God's timetable and he's living according to God's expectations. We can be free and fearless when we live the same way. Thirdly, I'd like us to consider how Jesus 
lives this free and fearless life because he's living for the glory of God. Jesus knows the glory of God firsthand. He is God after all. He has left the glory of heaven to come to earth. God the Son has come here to become the Son of Man. And there was purpose in that, of course. He had personal first-hand knowledge of God's glory and that motivated his entire life to be lived, to point others to God's glory. And that meant that he was busy doing the work that God had given him to do. He was living according to God's timetable. He was living according to God's expectations. But he was also living that he might do the things that God said should be done. In John chapter 9 verse 4, he said there to his disciples, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. He recognised there was this period of opportunity in which he could live to point others to God and his glory. And he knew the, the fellowship and love of his father in that. In John 8 verse 29 he says, The father has not left me. I always do what pleases him. Here was Jesus giving himself completely to live in such a way that people were pointed to the glory of God. You know, for us, personal, first-hand knowledge of the glory of God will allow us to live in fearless freedom too. And we need to get into God's word for that. We need to get into God's word to know his eternal timetable. We need to get into God's word to know his expectations of us. Um, his commands are not burdensome. We need to get into God's word to see the glory of God. As it's revealed here and as it's revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fourthly, finally, I want us to consider that we can enjoy fearless freedom like Jesus when we live to speak the truth about God. We see that Jesus is um, fearlessly proclaiming the truth because he knows it is the truth. 7 verse 7, he said to his brothers, the world hates you, hates me because I testify that its works are evil. That was the truth. And he had to say it. In John 7 verse 16, when the people are wondering how he's managed to get such, such teaching, he says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Here was Jesus absolutely convinced that the message that he had to give from God, his father, was the absolute truth and nothing but the truth. And that meant that it would expose sin, it would expose hypocrisy and the worthless of godless religion. It would expose how those things are true and false. You know, whenever we know and are absolutely convicted about what it is we're speaking about and who it is we're speaking about, it gives us confidence to live fearlessly and freely. You know how it is that if you're not absolutely convinced about something, you're reluctant to speak about it because you're not sure if it's true or not. What we speak from God's word is the truth about God. It is absolutely true. It's not one man-made option or philosophy amongst many options. It is the truth about God himself and knowing it and speaking it like Jesus allows us to live a free and a fearless life. So we see in Jesus in this portion four ways in which he lives a life of fearless freedom. By living according to God's eternal timetable, 
by living according to God's expectations of him, by living for the glory of God, pointing people to him in everything he said and did, and also living to speak the truth about God every day. We can do the same. Knowing God's eternal timetable and our place and our part within it, knowing God's expectations of us and putting it into daily practice, living that life so that we might point away from ourselves and point off to God instead and speaking always the truth about God because we're absolutely convinced about the one of whom we speak. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He modelled it for us and we can live it out too by God's grace and God's help.